Well, okay, campers, rise and shine, and don't forget your booties, because it's cold out there today. It's Ground Pod Day, our annual podcast where we talk about the classic film, Groundhog Day, as we've been doing annually for as long as any of us can remember, and we will do until we stop podcasting. <laughs> I'm Joe right. Dorowski. I'm Christopher Maverick. <laughs> I'm Andrew Dorowski. I'm Nicole Fry. Thank you so much for joining us on Ground Pod Day. I don't know if this ends when we're done podcasting. I think I think the only way out of this is to learn to the kill. meaning of life. Oh, I was going to say to kill the groundhog. Um, <laughs> well, that didn't work. Well, it depends on I where know. you're at in the loop. <laughs> <laughs> we, thought, we can try that, Mav. I don't feel great about it working. I thought the meaning of life was don't drive angry. Well, don't right? do that either. When when he's telling the when he's telling the groundhog that you know don't yeah. drive angry. I, that's that's the real takeaway from this movie. That's what you've got, Nicole. <laughs> it's um, it's like that's like the the microcosm of what the whole movie really is about is don't live angry. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, very deep there. I think we solved it. I mean, two minutes <laughs> in this year, and uh, <laughs> I think we can wrap it up. Damn, well, we're I good. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't you never really wrap up. I mean, it, like I mean, like last year, you know, I think there's a lot to talk about besides just I mean, we've all seen the movie a million times. We you know, we podcast about it every day. We've been doing that for a million years or oh, actually, it's the 30th anniversary. So I guess we've been doing this for 30 years now. Is that right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 30 yes, years that we've been doing this show. Began, every Yeah, we, we started <laughs> releasing a ground pod day episode. <laughs> yes. Every year. <laughs> and, you know, and we always have more to say than just like, I mean, yes, it's a wonderful movie. We all love the movie. We all know it's about, you know, the meaning of life or something. I mean, I like I, you know, I feel like I change my mind every time I watch it as to what it's really about. But I think there's more to say than just, yeah, OK, solved it. <laughs> well, I do want to give a quick shout out to uh, what gave us the concept of doing an annual podcast on the same movie, which was producer Andrew. You told me about the McElroy brothers and uh, two other podcasters Mm -hmm. doing this project with a film they hated. And I thought that's kind of a fun idea, but maybe we should do a film that's good. Yeah. yeah, So they have been discussing Paul Blart Mall Cop Mm 2 every year for Thanksgiving for like seven years now. Oh, wow. And they they have to rewatch the film it's... and uh, come on the podcast and share their their reactions to watching what I believe at this point is for them the worst film ever made. <laughs> they're they're not thrilled with the opportunity <laughs> to to revisit it. Now, it's so it's the McElroy brothers and it's the guys from a podcast called The Worst Idea of All Time. I believe mm-hmm. their original premise was watching and discussing a movie every week for an entire year that was mm-hmm. like their Same their movie. original action yeah i think it was um it was like daddy daycare and so- then <laughs> sex in the city 2 as a film so- like like so they're they're you know they pioneered uh rewatching ad nauseum mm-hmm. <laughs> for for podcasting let's just say not the greatest media that's ever been produced is, is what they go. They're like they're choosing something that's deliberately right. maybe not at the top of people's favorite film lists. Right. Mm-hmm. No. And the, the macros do some interesting work with it because quite often, like one of them will do something different each year uh, as he watches it. 
so so one of them has has watched it in French with subtitles in English. Um, one of them watched it while listening to Dark Side of the Moon. Oh wow! Does it line up? So, uh, I mean, I think under the right circumstances, you're going to find connections no matter what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and those circumstances, circumstances involve weed. I was yeah, going to say the circumstances might not be just the music and the movie. There might be additional circumstances. Fair. Uh, you know, you, but like you can find meaning. Well, I, I mean, to be fair. American studies is all about like forming whatever argument you want and backing <laughs> it up. And it's like and it's pretty nebulous. So it's not like people are going to say, no, you're wrong because you can just say. Well, no, they absolutely wrong. will say, no, you're wrong. <laughs> I've learned but, that no matter what I yeah, say. People, people will wrong. say it, but like, but you're not. That's what I learned in college. It's like, they people can say you're right or wrong, wrong. But yeah, I mean, when I was, when I was in college doing American study stuff, I, one of my professors, um, his, he, he preferred to like his, his real specialty was like race in the sixties in, in media. Uh, mm-hmm. But he also liked to say, he's like, I am a big fan of archipelagic studies, by which he meant I really like Lost and Gilligan's Island. <laughs> and I'm going to call that archipelagic studies. But we. It feels like Moby did... Dick needs to be in there, but okay. Mm-hmm. I guess there's no island but, or Robinson I, Crusoe, yeah, maybe. The, oh, yeah, yeah like Treasure, Treasure Island. You could get <laughs> other things into the archipelagic umbrella. Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. starting uh, with Lost and Gilligan. I got it. Yeah. And so we did. <laughs> for for the college class about you know american studies and like it was like intro to american studies so it's you know okay how do you do american studies papers and all that sort of stuff and it was we watched part of an episode of gilligan's island and we would just kind of pause it randomly and be like okay let's dissect (laughs) and okay so like so we're like pausing in this moment and one of many sequences i'm sure where ginger is trying to seduce gilligan uh Mm -hmm. And we're just like, okay, we're paused, we're dissecting, we're like, okay, well, on Gilligan's side of the frame, there's a white flower, and on Ginger's side of the flame, there's a red flower, and maybe there's some sort of meaning behind all of that about innocence and and seduction and passion, and and we're like, probably that was not framed very intentionally, mm-hmm. but we can't prove that it wasn't, <laughs> and the argument holds water. Anyway, where were we? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, say, say, whatever, say whatever you want and uh, no one can prove you wrong right but I just Fa- want to give a shout out to the podcast called what, oh, Til- Till Death you, Do Us Blart yes Till Death Do yeah. Us Blart because their mm-hmm. goal is to podcast every Thanksgiving about Paul Blart 2 no Paul Blart what is Mall the Cop 2 until they die, find until they die. No, at, at, at which point the mantle must be passed on oh <laughs> Oh, it's like a curse for the whole family. <laughs> but as I was saying, that is what inspired me to think we should do one episode of a podcast annually. But let's do it on something that we don't hate ourselves for having to watch. Right. And right. naturally, but I land we, on Groundhog Day. It makes you want to come back next year. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I also, you know, I, I wanted to give a shout out to, and I don't know this person at all, but there is the, there's the, the blog, The Groundhog Day Project. Um, mm-hmm. by um by Robert E. G. Black, who did a four phase project, and phase one was he watched Groundhog Day every day for a year and blogged about it, and then once a month ev- after that, and then phase two he did other movies and he watched them every day for seven days straight, and then phase three he did just you know 
a movie one once a day. Um, and then de- phase four, deconstructing my childhood movie experience one movie at a time. <laughs> um, but he <laughs> but he seems to have given up the project. On, say, um, did he just become a podcaster? Because that sure sounds that phase it, four. It sounds a so, lot like yeah. podcasting. <laughs> yeah, it does. But it was but he was doing his blogging and then he sort of um he sort of disappeared from the blog project um in 2020. So I don't know if like I don't know if COVID got him or what, but I think we should try to track him down. Just to, as someone who's probably seen this movie more than anybody, you know, we should track him down for, you know, for next year's show and try to try to see if we can get him to to be involved. So, um, and I do it, know it was just that. A, it, mm-hmm. Oh, but, go ahead. No, it was just. It was just a. I had just. Um, I I was you know doing research for for the show for today for th- for this year's show, and I ran across him. So we should we should definitely look for him next year. Yeah, and I know that also in the heyday of the movies by minute movement of podcasting there was a groundhog minute that mm-hmm. analyzed one minute of a time of i think i was on that i was on that one uh hmm. i'm trying to double check the names of the hosts uh, yeah we, Dave, we I, Palace, I think we were on Jordan. it separately yeah uh so that that exists out there uh in the ether um but one reason that my mind immediately went to groundhog day is this is my favorite movie uh when when like asked like what's your favorite movie i think most of us have like a pile of movies this one is always mm-hmm. at the top of my pile Huh. Um, I consider it to be one of like those perfect movies that just achieves exactly what it's trying to do. <laughs> and uh, so that's why I chose this now um, but as part of this project, since we're going to be doing this from here until the end of, of time, I thought it might also be useful for our listeners to just like give us some like landmark of where we're at in our lives and our relationship with Groundhog Day right now. <laughs> <laughs> because this will this will change uh so i'm just gonna say at at this moment i've got four kids uh the oldest is 13 and i am working as a visiting professor in an english department and i how how long have you been visiting that department well as an adjunct i was there for a while and but visiting is full time but not in the tenure track Mm-hmm. So, it's such a weird yeah, set of yeah terminology. No, no no one outside of academia needs to know those details <laughs> <laughs> nor will they really process them it's just like wait what <laughs> um so that's that's where i'm at and uh groundhog day i i remember it watching it probably when i was like 12 or 13 and just immediately like i, I couldn't stop thinking about it then and i don't think i've ever stopped thinking about it since <laughs> So that's that's where I'm at. Uh, Nicole, where are you at? Well, um, I'm I'm a tenured associate professor at uh, Southwestern Oregon Community College. And uh, my relationship with Groundhog Day is uh, is is long and storied since um, I think I'm the oldest of the group. So, you know, I saw it back in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> um, mine was definitely VHS. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I had, I form, I formulated an early theory about what happened, uh, to, uh, to him, which I, I know I've discussed on, on previous podcasts, but maybe I'll go into it again, uh, later. Oh yeah. We all, we, we all do, we, we do other podcasts, but, um, so, or do you mean like on this podcast that we've talked about before? On this podcast. Okay. okay I'm sure I brought it up I want to relieve any listeners. Yeah. I'm just going to yeah. go ahead and relieve any listeners who think this <laughs> This is the first time no. we're doing this, but we do plan no. to keep going. No, but no, I know no, some, this some panic listeners are like, wait, there's been Mav, past ground Mav Mav is the one saying we've been episodes. doing it every year. <laughs> in the stream, if you look, you will find 
infinite numbers of this ep- of this show has been going on for millions of years. <laughs> That's my story. That, I'm sticking to it. I was <laughs> I was backing you up there, Mav. <laughs> yeah. I th- uh, I think it's just fair at at a 30 year anniversary to you know let everyone come in clean. Okay, it's right, it's so daunting to if this, re-listen. If this is your first time listening to this show, <laughs> I mean, Matt just wanted to do like the full Andy Kaufman performance art, uh, <laughs> and I just think that that may confuse some people. Okay, I just fine. Want to the relief we'll now. just pretend this is this is brand new. We're starting from yeah, scratch. Sure. There, oh yeah, there you go. Yes, this is We're a soft reboot it's for the sake of the listeners. Of the- <laughs> <laughs> on the 30th anniversary yes. uh mav what uh, what about you where are you at what's your groundhog day situation uh okay so i am <laughs> i am a teaching assistant professor or, or assistant teaching i can't remember which order they gave me i believe i'm teaching assistant <laughs> professor <laughs> at the university of pittsburgh um which is just because to to you know tie into joe's point about what these titles mean outside of academia it means i'm not a visiting professor but i'm also not tenure track um it's like being a visiting professor but i'm not visiting. (laughs) and we actually do have visiting professors at my university and i'm not one of them i'm teaching it it is so bizarre and academia makes no sense um but i work for the digital narrative and interaction design program inside of the english department where i do a lot of pop culture studies and stuff and um i also saw this in the theaters back in i believe this was 1993 yes yeah and so i was in college um i guess i was in my sophomore year and um and i you know I, i i that's when i saw it um i like this film a lot um i like quirky time travel um movies uh a lot and and stories um as listeners who've heard us me talk about this before on the show will know some of my favorite science fiction or is i like high fantasy high science fiction high concept where no one does anything with the science or concept but instead you just kind of go let's take this concept and now let's do an intense character study of what people are like inside of this you know fantastic world but i don't you know like i'm the guy for you yeah, yeah, I love when, you know, I love a good superhero story where where no one uses their powers. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> I, you know, show me deep, deep in space sci-fi and then just watch people have dinner. That's what I want to do. Like, you know, a nice little, you know, romantic love story between two characters who happen to be in the depths of, of space. That's what I'm looking for. So I love that about Groundhog's Day. Like, do we get, uh, you know, Nicole, you talked about having ideas about what, caused it to happen what caused the time loop to happen what got us out of the time loop never cared i've never cared what what caused it or what got what got them out i just want to see it and then i go huh well let's talk about how he's grown and let's talk about his relationship yeah. and, and like that's that's what i'm that's what i'm interested in so this movie is perfect for me all right and andrew uh i well i am not a professor uh <laughs> For a second, I thought I'd come in and be like, I'm a groundhog. And, <laughs> and that would be my, that's, that's my take. full Andy Kaufman on us. <laughs> uh, but no, so so not a professor. I technically, I, I, I'm involved in human resources uh, industry. And I do a bit of podcasting. Like a, a bit. A, <laughs> You're the not, only person who does more podcasting than me that I know. <laughs> like, I don't know if I want to say like a significant amount of podcasting. Uh but like about as much podcasting as probably anybody's going to do for not money. 
<laughs> and for not not their full-time job right yeah there's, there's yeah. full-time podcaster there's us the hobbyists yeah yes um so you know uh, roughly about as much as a hobbyist podcaster does yeah mm-hmm. not the, right. not the most most because <laughs> we know some people but yeah that's true <laughs> but it's like it's up there yeah uh nicole do you want to share your theory of of groundhog day Well, I remember when I, when I watched it way back when, right, there's a couple of scenes where the bartender is sort of giving these little knowing looks. Can I just agree with you right there? There you go. Is the bartender God? (laughs) The bartender might be God. I don't know that I thought that it was necessarily God, but I, cause I'm very into mythology. So I would probably be mm. more apt to go with like trickster. Okay. But, mm-hmm. um, but that's the thing I remember, you know, way back then thinking that. And when I was re I rewatched it again, uh, uh, yesterday, I was thinking, I don't know if those looks are as significant as I thought they were, but but they're still there. They they are there and it feels it feels like something. There's enough Yes. There's enough to to build a theory on. Mm-hmm. I one of the reasons that I that I go with with like capital G God in the, in that case and not like a trickster is because of the old man sequence. At mm-hmm. one point the old man acts as though he recognizes him. As though somehow dying and coming back gives him extra loop knowledge. Mm-hmm. interesting yes because because it like he seems like he, he recognized him he's like i remember you and i don't think it's from handing him the money right but but it's like okay the old man through the afterlife is somehow locked into one maybe the most horrific state of anybody mm-hmm. in this film is that yes. he's, he's he dies every, dies day, every day for mm-hmm. the entirety mm-hmm. of this and there's nothing mm-hmm. that can be done about it. And then he has to come back. And so he's not like he's being deprived of eternal rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's... but it's like he has some sort of additional right. knowledge for for that or from from that experience. Well, he's the he's the Prometheus. He's the the one being chained to the rock and having his liver eaten every day. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, we do know that there are a few other people who are suffering some tragic fates until Bill Murray intervenes but uh they are well, able who? to be safe there's there's i mean the guy that's like the kid is gonna choke break on steak and die yeah the, the, the kid's gonna the, the guy gonna, chokes on steak uh-huh mm-hmm. and the kid um, falls out of the tree they're both having a rough go of it until uh phil phil's gonna get his act together mm-hmm. so okay, i mean so a flat tire is not die. too much trouble right uh, but you presume the steak i think the kid die. in the steak well i mean, I mean someone else I might know have known about the kid the okay the so guy getting left at the altar because the, the i was gonna i was gonna the, yeah michael shannon mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. michael shannon's got a rough day mm-hmm. until he gets his wrestlemania tickets mm-hmm. <laughs> every well, time wouldn't that perk you up too it is wild that that's michael shannon in an early role i know <laughs> um i'm trying to think what else i mean Next to the guy who chokes on the steak is a woman who doesn't get her cigarette lit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking through his I mean, optimal day. And yeah, like, yeah, I was just saying, there's a, a few former smokers. I mean, the old that's... man definitely has the worst time loop. Where, yeah, but she's but she's second, right? Like she, like certainly before the kid with the broken leg. 
I don't know. It is weird that that is in there, though. It is that is an odd choice. Yeah, just uh, who knows what happens at the bachelor auction without without him there. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of money. Bachelor auction still going on without. <laughs> yeah. would, would the bachelor's auction have happened? Were there to be a death by choking earlier in the oh, day? Oh, that's true. The host of the bachelor auction would otherwise be dead. I mean, the whole right. town might just shut down, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, my- I. I once listened to a podcast. Um, I think I think it was from the show called Plumbing the Death Star, which was just absurd pop culture questions. But they tried to figure, okay, how much damage could you do in a Groundhog Day? Like, ha- how quickly can you get like the military to bomb a town? <laughs> was like what they ultimately came down to it's like could we get the military to bomb this town yes. can we cause so much havoc that in less that. than 24 hours mm-hmm. we can we can get like nuclear <laughs> ordinance involved oh my goodness this is this is i'm so glad we're doing this podcast <laughs> and, I, I, and, and that's a whole separate podcast where that was their questions like how how much damage can your groundhog day get to like how big can your groundhog day get mm-hmm and um, that was like their their suggestions like okay the can we get military engagement with Punxsutawney? <laughs> I think you can. So I so I actually have a theory. Go on, and, Matt. And what, well, okay, so 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 I'm a as I said I'm I'm a big fan of these high concept movies where it's mostly about you know thinking and relationship and not about the concept at all. But the concept does matter. So we know in Groundhog Day. Um, we know that his knowledge maintains and he can, for instance, make Nancy fall in love with him. Like we only see him talk to Nancy once, but I presume he might have talked to her several times in order to go mm-hmm. get her this woman he's never met before. Because otherwise the school thing would have come up. And we know um, we know with Rita, he's trying over and over again. He's like, all right, I got to remember what kind of ice cream she likes. I got to remember what drink she so likes. I gotta we remember. just mentally insert multiple days there. Right. So he's uh, done. He's done the date yeah. multiple times. We also know that he can um, rob the bank every day to get the money to afford piano lessons and convince the piano teacher, oh, it's my first piano lesson, but I'm just a little better every day, right? So Mm -hmm. my presumption is you call in um, a nuclear threat to the Pentagon on the first day and it gets you nowhere. But if you've got an infinite number of days to where each each time you can be, you can more convincingly say hey i'm russia iran wherever you, just find, you, know, the right right. you find the right right you find the to push mm-hmm. right and like it might take you it might take you a million tries but mm-hmm. i my belief is sooner or later you would get the right combination of of things to do to escalate through the entire military system to have a credible threat on that day and there's been lots of lots of articles written about like how many millions of years is he trapped in this loop in order to get the you know the amount of skills that he that he mm-hmm. possesses in like he's he's doing ice sculpture but also he's doing like with his hand he's making snow globe sculptures of of human beings like just in a park like randomly so that takes a lot of practice you know like like yeah. i so i i presume that you could get there um I want like one of my even um, if it's just like I've, 
right. with enough time just calling mm-hmm. in random words to, I mean, <laughs> right. to the pedagog. At that point, we're hitting the monkeys on a typewriter argument. Yeah. You know, that's like, yeah, I guess. Theoretically, with eternity, then everything will happen at least once. Mm-hmm. Well, so there's a, I mean, can we talk a little bit about, about Groundhog Day style movies? Because because Groundhog Day is just sort of a genre mm-hmm. now, and mm-hmm. there's a movie that I uh, that I adore called Palm Springs, which came out a couple years ago, um, with Andy Sandberg and Chris and Kristen Mil- Milati, I think that's how she pronounces her last name, um, and they're trapped in the time loop. And when she decides she wants to get out, um, she starts like she has a theory that there must be some scientific way to break through this time loop, right? So she calls, she does a, a web search. And she calls this um, this theoretical physicist and explains the problem to him and says, all right, now you need to teach me enough to do this. He's like, I cannot teach you that in one day. She's like, but I've got eternity. Right. So every day she calls him and just starts with, you know, she's got here's the notes in at. her head. Yeah, here's where I'm at. And, and so every day she can get a little further to where, like, long as she can convince him that she's in a time loop she can get a little further along this problem by always bringing him um, the notes from where, from where they are. Um, So my presumption is if you can do that with science, you can do it with, you know, geo geopolitics, (laughs) I guess. I'm convinced with, by by Mav's argument. Yeah. I mean, it would be weird though. Cause, cause at least so in the, in, in Palm Springs, the guy she's calling is in on it once once she lets him know right like you'd have to be like if you're trying to get them to bomb the town you have to be trickier i guess you know but mm-hmm. i think you could probably but, do it but yeah yeah over over time mm-hmm. you can make something happen i right. hope it's not your first try that would be alarming oh that would be terrifying <laughs> 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 or not because he gets he just resets in the morning i guess but yeah but but he'd start to have some major questions about the military <laughs> You wake up Those the next questions day. I don't want to. <laughs> That's answer. all it took. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like three shots. It's like <laughs> uh, Actually, another question if, I had. It. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Mav. Also, I'm curious if other people have. Do you have other favorite Groundhog Day style movies? Because so that was the like, Palm Springs. I really enjoy, but also I'm a big fan of Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day Two, both of which use this concept. Oh. And there's an episode of the TV show Legends of Tomorrow that uses this concept. Like the mm-hmm. the Groundhog Day as a concept is just you know it's it it's a it is just a fictional like, trope now. Yeah, I like I like Edge of Tomorrow. I not I, I know not everybody mm-hmm. does, but I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like Edge of Tomorrow. It's, I think it's rock solid. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. And it's, uh, the, I mean, the title should have course, gone with the original di- title. Yeah, <laughs> the original title was Live, yeah, Die, Repeat. Live, Die, Repeat. Li- li- live Die, Repeat is much mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, I think one of the, the differences, obviously, with that one is that there's an explanation for the loop, mm-hmm. right? Which we don't, which we don't always, we don't always get. But I like the fact that, I like the fact that there's somebody who was in on it and then lost it. Mm-hmm. Right? How how Emily yeah, Blunt's character, I, like, you know, mm-hmm. had it. And so she understands um that that to me sort of put a little extra twist on it that it's a thing that it is something that that you want, that you need, right? Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. you you're you miss when it's gone, right? Yeah. Um so uh I read the first issue of the new fantastic four 
a couple weeks ago, and that mm. has a Groundhog Day uh, town hmm. where the thing and and Alicia go into a town and they say, hang on, something's up. This town's stuck in like 1947 and something's going on. And and now we're here and we're superheroes, so we have to fix it. Like we have to figure out what's going on and like free these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so part of it is is just spending time figuring out, okay, what's going on? Who's causing this? Why why is this happening? Like who's affecting it? They they find the person, then they have to spend time sorting it out and uh, and all of that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they they resolve it and move on, which is it's just really nice and well done in a single issue of a comic book. And so that that's on my mind right now because it's so recent. Mm-hmm. Um I was thinking earlier today about uh, a a sample set that we actually do get to experience of this, which is video games. Mm-hmm. Joseph, oh, how many times have this, yeah. Joseph? How mm-hmm. many times have you done the beginning of any of the Mario games? I mean, from from the original NES, I I literally could not tell you. You know, I had that as a child, and uh, the the original Super Mario Brothers. It's it, just so it, much. It has to be in the hundreds that I I played the opening uh, level. Oh. Whoa, Joseph! I just actually remembered from from when you were a teenager and I was I was younger. You doing the water temple in Zelda, and having to come back to it day after day in some cases, and you know quickly flip a bunch of switches so you could get to the boss setting. Uh huh. And it's like, yeah. well, I just do this thing for for ten minutes and then I get to the boss, but I have to redo it and and I redo it and redo it and redo it and then I get frustrated. I turn off the machine and then I come back tomorrow and I do it and do it do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, if we're gonna get existential, you know, beyond video games, there's also like, I I just gave uh, a lecture on, um, you know, oh God. pre-romantic literature in America. <laughs> mm-hmm. Again, uh, for probably the, I don't know, twentieth time. <laughs> right, <laughs> I've, I've done this lecture. Well, with my job, I I um I used to run new employee orientation on a weekly basis mm-hmm. for for a company, and it was, yeah, I know this stuff. I wrote this four years ago and i'm still saying mm-hmm. essentially the same things yeah. to every group and yes you're going to sign these papers and then i'm going to sign as a as an observer you know mm-hmm. that we went over everything for some of these for compliance reasons and and then i'm going to file the papers and so you know every monday for four years i had the same day you know <laughs> essentially the same day yeah mm-hmm. i think it's one thing that the the film i think that is one reason why we like it is because it, to a degree we're all in a time mm-hmm. loop in some in some aspect of our lives. There is something that we're repeating. for jobs, or, yeah. or we've had times when there was a, yeah. a time loop. Right. I mean, people do that with their commute, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. or uh, I mean, when you when you have an infant, it's like here we go, changing another diaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so right, this I mean, year we're saying at a certain point, I think we all realize like we're, we're life. Yeah, we're just doing dishes and laundry till we die. Like that, that never ends. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> being an adult is just every week saying okay if we can just make it through this week everything will be fine yeah and only just 24 more years till retirement <laughs> that kind of thing oh, uh, and if wanna... this was lighter and funner when we were talking about the military bombing Puxatani. <laughs> what has happened well and then there's there's all these things that we do on autopilot i mean how many times have you tied your shoes mm-hmm. and and like it doesn't even register in your memory bank anymore that yeah. you that you did tie your shoes or what the process was. Oh, I've had that, like just driving home from work where it's like, 
wait, was I conscious driving home? Yeah, like, I, how I'm did here I get now. Home? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't remember anything about it. I don't remember the the music on the radio. I don't remember making that turn, but I did it. Well, that was I mean, that's more dry not so much now because I if I if I'm going in at a reasonable hour with a reasonable commute, it's not so bad. But there was a point where um where I was working, like my job uh years ago was an hour, hour fifteen minute commute every morning. Um, mm-hmm. and I started at 8 a.m., which meant I left the house at 6.45, which meant I got up at five. Um, I'm not a morning person. I'm, I'm very much not <laughs> no. a morning person. So, um, so I'm leaving, I'm, I'm leaving for work at, you know, seven or 6.45, um, to get there in time. And there were many days where I, I mean, I'm sure I, functionally woke up somewhere in the middle of the trip right like i don't know how i got there (laughs) it was just entirely i know how to drive from pittsburgh to cranberry in my sleep and (laughs) i was just doing Mm -hmm. that i guess like i i mean i I, i'm awake ish i guess but but functionally it was entirely just i'd done it so many times that it was it was an autopilot trip but yeah like in the brain science, it's like automatic or autonomic functions, the things that we can mm-hmm. do without thinking about them. They're, those are the autopilot things. And so we, I guess we have to assume that somehow that's maintained in Phil's mm-hmm. psyche. So like his, his brain, how like there's the physical limitation to how much he can change, but clearly he must have his automatic or autonomic functions maintaining day to day so do you think he has an automatic function of like going and stealing the money like he's not even conscious of doing it he's like, oh i've got a bag of money like he he could do it at a certain point (laughs) without i would say without consciously activating it i would say the evidence of that is the card flicking because Mm -hmm. because with card flicking like i've i've done the you know i'm bored i'm just gonna throw these playing cards into a hat while i'm waiting for something right i've done i've played that game before Mm -hmm. and um, the you know the joke on on the in the film is that he makes every shot and she can't do it and he's like yeah you know four or five hours a day for six months and you'll be a pro which means mm-hmm. that's what she he did, did. That. that's yeah. that's what he's describing <laughs> right and and I you know I kind of you know I buy that right like because like like when I decided I wanted to get good at pool was in college where I had you know I lived on campus so I had access constant access to pool tables so. I would just hang out and just, you know, shoot pull for free in my spare time. And that's how you get good at it. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you set up hard shots for yourself and you're just like, okay, let me try it again. Let me try it again. And if I run this bank shot, you know, a hundred times, I will get good at it. So, I mean, I, I guess that's, those are, those are automatic functions. And, and now, you know, if I don't play for a while, I'm, am, I, am I as good at pool as I was when I was playing every day? No, but I'm still pretty good. So, I, I mean, I think there's, I think there's something to that. There's like, I, like, I wonder if, you know, I can, I can probably walk from my childhood home to my grandparents' home in my sleep. I, neither of us, you know, my grandparents have been dead for years and I haven't lived in that house in 20 something years, but I probably still could mm-hmm. do it. Right. So the real question is if we could have gotten a brain scan from him before and after mm-hmm. that would be the, the real question. And is there, is there a capacity to how much the brain can store? There's a, there's a doctor who character played by um, my, by Maisie Williams from, um, from game of Thrones. Um, she for, 
for reasons of doctor shenanigans, she develops immortality, but she is uh-huh. still but she is still human. So she um you know after you know she's thousands and thousands of years old and she is you know traveling the universe doing stuff but her brain is human so she can't remember various things from when you know she can't remember individual people from a thousand years ago because how would you right like and which makes sense because i have trouble remembering you know random people i went to elementary school unless they were like you know, notable friends, or, but so. yeah, or even um, like as professors, yeah. like I learned the names of every student in my class that mm-hmm. semester. If I <laughs> then, see you, one of those then students, you forget like, it two, two, two years, years later, it's like, ah, I remember you existing in my classroom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but I cannot because pull the name out right now. <laughs> right. Because, well, and, and I, especially after, you know, if it's been a couple of years, like I've, I've had people, Hey, can you, can you write a recommendation for me? I, I could, but you have to remind me who you are because <laughs> which it, which is, you know, maybe you want to like, it's weird because you want to, you want to help the students, but like you're, it's easier for some than it is for others. And, and, you know, if you were really, really great that year and it was last year, that's awesome. <laughs> if it's been two years, uh, you better have been really great. Cause I might have a little trouble with it. So. <laughs> um, I have a question that's a little outside of the the Groundhog Day narrative. Mm-hmm. And that is, is 1993 one of the greatest f- years of film history? Definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm just going, because uh, what stuck out is I was, you know, just touching base with Groundhog Day. I'm like, okay, that's 1993. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. we just talked about Tombstone on the protagonist podcast. That was a 1993 mm-hmm. film. Yes. And I know Jurassic Park and Schindler's List were both 1993, because that's the famous like double header from Steven Spielberg just throwing down the right. gauntlet and saying, Anyone want to challenge me? Anyone? Yes. No. Okay. <laughs> I well, I don't know if two. I don't know if if, if nineteen ninety three is like going to be the greatest film year, but it's it's up there. I put so I've heard people refer to nineteen ninety seven as the the greatest year in film. Mm-hmm. So let's compare the the top five highest grossing. Well, I, I, well, I just want to run through. I, like I've got the list of ninety three because I don't know that all these are gonna be highest grossing, but they they're ones that are like still talked about. So the fugitive is ninety three. Yes. No, um, and I've got I've, and I've got the, and I've got the highest grossing films li- okay. list up for ninety three. So the fugitive came in third. So yeah, it okay. was up there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Mrs. Doubtfire's in there. Like, uh, you know, it, it's it's got number, resonance. Number two, yeah. Number Hocus number Pocus. two in America. Hocus oh really? Pocus, was, Hocus Pocus was Hocus Pocus. It was a did flop. Not make the top ten. It flopped, but it became a critical. Not a critical. It became cult. a cult classic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But one's okay. Speaking of cult classic, Nightmare Before Christmas is ninety three. Yes. Oh man. Also, also not not top ten, but a cult classic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Rudy uh, again, like cult classic. Oh like, wow! Like, was that ninety three? Yeah. Minute too. Wow. Sleepless in Seattle is ninety three. Sleepless Sleepless in Seattle um, was number eight for that year. Yeah, Philadelphia. Okay. Number nine. Oh, so, yeah. There's, there's, I'm, I'm looking through there. the list now, now to Army of Darkness. <laughs> um, lower, oh. but yes, also critical. I, it, and it's weird. It's weird that there's so many there's so many cult classics. I wonder if part of it Teenage is Teenage Mutant also... Ninja Turtles 3. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing back in time, right? That's a time travel Teenage Mutant Super Mario Ninja. Brothers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and see, here's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if Last na- Action Hero. The Sandlot. Right? The Sandlot. Well, oh my gosh! But you're talking about 30 years ago, right? So is is it just that it's at the sweet spot that people who love those films are now are now like writing about the great films, right? Yeah, right. Like we're 
we're we're at the right no. age where we can where we can go. Hey, you know these classic films from when I was between five and five and twenty years old. Are you, you saying know? there's a pop culture but, nostalgia cycle, Mav? But uh, but <laughs> this is hit it like these films that we're mentioning are something that affects all of us, and, and we have a span of years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I, I mean, between I think, like, me and Joseph alone, it's ten years. I mean, just those top, the like like Schindler's List and Jurassic Park, like those are going to be talked about as yes parts of like film history <laughs> that's mm-hmm. just i'll, you I'll know. agree on those i'll agree on those too um uh-huh. yeah I, but i mean i think the, I th- and i think also though the 90s are also notable in that the 90s are the beginning of a very serious film explosion right like where where the studio system is just entering like the blockbuster cycle starts in ni- with star wars and jaws mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like um, when Star Wars and Jaws are coming out, blockbusters are you have a new one every three months, every four months. You hit the 90s and studios are getting out of each other's way because, like, all right, you've got these two weeks and then it's time for a Disney and then it's time for a Fox. And then it's yeah, time the, for the a cycle Disney. is just a little different. there. I think yeah. there's also got to be something about it that has to do with VHS release and rentals yeah. mm-hmm. like like yeah. blockbuster as a franchise, because I'm seeing stuff where yeah, I'm like, yeah. OK, I know the VHS for this. I don't know that I watched Free Willy ever. Um, Robin Hood men in tights, but I'm like, but I know that these VHS were around and they were definitely in the rental rotation. Have you ever seen Free Willy? <laughs> I mean, I probably were, did. It probably got put on, but right, but I didn't like right watch it when I was 15. Okay. Well, it came out when I was when I was three. Right. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. I, I was the, I was thinking you were the right age to where I would figure it would just be floating Willy. around in a VHS state. Right. It, well, it's kind of thing that like I I just expect that your parents were like. Hey, watch this and don't bother us for, you know. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, and that's probably how I saw it at some point before I was 8 years old and and right, now right, I don't okay. remember it. So, so like did okay, I see it fair. almost certainly. Yes. Uh Secret Garden, I'm just looking through the Surf oh, Ninjas. Guess what? Guess what? In the short film, I, I remember we Surf had, Ninjas uh, way more than I should. Wallace and Gromit's <laughs> The Wrong Trousers came out in 93. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, and I, and I actually just, re- I recall watching that, and because I'm in college in '93, '93, like I said, is my sophomore year. Um, so um, age of innocence. I, I would have saw Wallace and Gromit's um, uh, the wrong trousers during the um, the animation shorts film festival at CMU. Like we, we would have, they would have put on like you know, come to watch movies in. Doherty 2210, which is where movies played on campus. And we will toss, you know, here's 15 shorts that we're going to watch that are probably going to be nominated for, nominated for Oscars and Globes and stuff. So, mm-hmm. so I would have, I would have, I would have watched that probably not in a real theater, but at least on campus. Cool All runnings. Right. <laughs> Another cult classic there. That was my first I was time. Say, Matt, was that your first appearance on our podcast? Was cool I believe so. Mm-hmm. Oh. Ah. Uh, Gettysburg came out in two th- or 1993, not 2003. Huh. Wow. See, uh, I'm looking down this list now, and I'm also I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I remember seeing, like, I remember I went and saw Fire in the Sky on. Is that the alien abduction movie? Y- yes. And I saw that once. I, okay. was on a, I was on a date with uh, this guy from my Chaucer class, and he wanted to go to the movie. <laughs> he was blind. So I had to try and describe things to him when there wasn't dialogue. And I'm like, how how do I describe some of this? Yeah. <laughs> There's some weird imagery in that film. Weird yeah, dis- stuff. 
that's not really a describing movie, is it? <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, I, I don't remember. I don't remember it overly well. I mean, you know. Okay. The best picture list from that year, which hey. I'm going to say not all these are classic, oh, but we had Schindler's List, The Fugitive, In the Name of the Father, The Piano, and The Remains of the Day. That's the best picture list from 93. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mav, is there any of the top 10 that we haven't mentioned grossing-wise at the box office? Uh, uh, grossing-wise, Mrs. Doubtfire, I think we said, The Fugitive. Okay, so, uh, I mean, I can go real quick. Jurassic oh, Park, which by a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Then uh, Doubtfire, The Fugitive, Schindler's List, The Firm, which I actually like, but I get why other – like, it, it, it. The Firm, I enjoyed. I enjoyed The Firm. That's a, a Tom film. Cruise legal yeah. thriller, right? It's, it's a Tom Cruise doing – yeah – Tom Cruise doing a doing a, a a Grisham, you know, legal thriller. Um, so he's got to run, you know. There's there, uh, Tom Cruise is big on running in his films. It's before he was trying to actively kill himself with his movies, so there's no massive stunt. But uh, but it, I I enjoy that film. Um, Indecent Proposal, another movie which I actually really like, just from a concept. It's a high concept. It's literally mm-hmm. you know how if someone offered to offered you. If you were hard up for money and someone offered you a million dollars to sleep with your wife or to sleep with you if you are the wife, would you take it? It's uh, mm-hmm. Demi Moore, uh, Robert Redford, and, um, Woody, and Woody Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Very good film. Um, Cliffhanger, Sleepless in Seattle, which is just classic. Philadelphia, again, yeah, I think that's Oscar contention. And The Pelican Brief. And Cliffhanger oh, yeah. actually helped sort of revitalize Stallone's career a bit because yeah. it had kind he of gone. Faltering. Yeah, after after you know, over the Rocky top, Ford which is a yeah, <laughs> over the top, underrated film. Over over the top, I like That's that. The arm Rhinestone, point, right? arm wrestling movie, <laughs> yeah. Rhinestone with Dolly Parton. Um, we've got we're back. I, I'm picking you know the stuff when I was a kid. We're back a dinosaur story. Uh, I don't recall Joe, that at all. But you're younger, so I, I, have, yeah. I have no memory of that movie. It's, it's I've never part of, of the the Don Bluth undermining of, of oh, Disney okay. in the <laughs> yes. late 80s yeah. into the I early a, 90s. Okay, I, yeah, I'm a Don Bluth fan, fan. I just don't remember that one. Okay. Um, or, well, actually, let me double check. He's not actually he's not actually directly involved, but it's like it's the Spielberg Universal okay. animation it's stuff, a, you know, <laughs> after Don Bluth. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Mask of the Phantasm is 93. Oh, I saw that in the right, This is a strong year. I think I'm, I'm comfortable saying this is a very strong year for mm-hmm. Hollywood. So let me give you some of the top things from from 1997, because this is what I've heard other people talk about as as the best year. Titanic, Jurassic Park, Lost World, Men in Black, Tomorrow Never Dies, Air Force One. It's I don't think this is as strong. Mm-mm. No, 97 can't possibly be as strong as 93. 93 has got to be the ultimate. What were the movie Oscar year? contenders no. in 97 besides Titanic? As uh, good as it gets, LA Confidential, mm-hmm. Full Monty. Mm-hmm. Okay, now those are good. Yeah, and and Titanic and um, wait, LA Confidential, good as it gets, Full Monty. What was the other one? You're looking at it, I assume, and I can't. Do it um, I sorry, I already scrolled past it. Um, uh, English Patient was that '97 yes, or is that maybe? Wait, hold on, hold on wait, let's see, 1997. I'll just I I mean, as though yeah, I you, you double check because I was just finger. glancing. <laughs> glancing through oh, some stuff you know, in how, general sometimes when you look at it it's like the, the what people are listing as 97 is really the like 96 films it was the, oh, true no so, hold on i think i might be on the 96 films uh that yeah, were well, actually were nominated for yeah know, 97 the, was titanic as good as it gets the full monty goodwill hunting that's what it was and la confidential mm. goodwill hunting mm. phenomenal film so mm-hmm. 
but not in 1993, yeah, the, the year of Groundhog yeah. Day. The- <laughs> I'm looking at this 1997 list, and I'm I'm finding way fewer things to bring up. 1993 has got to be the the greatest movie year. <laughs> of course, there's someone out there like 1938. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. All right. Is there when you're rewatching Groundhog Day, as yeah. we will do annually for the rest of time? Yes. Mm-hmm, is there something that you're particularly excited for to be coming up? Oh, particularly I, it varies i know that's it's definitely evolved throughout my life because mm-hmm. i've been watching this since i mean we had it on vhs probably by the time i was five and mm-hmm. we watched it every year at groundhog day it was from on, that time yeah. forward um, yeah uh-huh um i like i've seen it with the commentary uh i always love harold ramus's performance as as the brain surgeon Mm-hmm. something about like the cadence of him listing off all the things that aren't wrong with him mm-hmm. is it, it's like perfectly written and perfectly performed mm-hmm. there's a rhythm to it and and like his hesitation as he looks at the extras and everything so i i love that um maver nicole anything that stands mm-hmm. out for you that you're like oh this part's coming up for me, it's not a particular part. Like it's just every time um, I watch it, like I said, I, I like smaller things. So like I, I'm interested in the stories of the non-main characters, right? Like so, like I get that Phil's on his journey, right? But what, what is Chris Elliott thinking during? The, like like there's a lot of weird <laughs> things happening around him. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and I, I feel part- that every Chris Elliott's performance could could give you that response. <laughs> Right. Right. And and this most recent time when I watched it, I was watching and 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 a character that I just hyper focused on is um the second woman that Phil goes on a date with. In the so, French maid outfit. In the French maid outfit when, he, when he goes in, to see the Western. He no, he doesn't go to see the Western. He goes to see Heidi too. <laughs> he, he goes to see Heidi too, dressed as though he's dressed in a spaghetti like he's in western. Clint Eastwood, spaghetti okay. western right. While his right, date right. is while his date is dressed like a French maid, and um, and they, you know, he's got like a roll. I think he's got a Rolls Royce that he clearly bought that day with money from robbing the bank, and th- like to me. No, she's only in that one scene, as opposed to Nancy, who you see, Nancy, the first woman he, he goes on a date with, you mm-hmm. see a couple of times. You see when he interviews her to figure out what to what magic things to say to make her fall in love. You see their date. You see that you see her a couple of times later in the movie where he just runs mm-hmm. into her. But and she and she's in that scene because on their actual date, he'd asked her to marry him in order to get her to fall in love with him. And then um, when he's on the date with the woman in the French maid outfit, you know, he goes, hi, Nancy. And she's like looks at him like he's a stranger and and she and he goes and he goes um that was my old fiance she doesn't remember me you know like that which is which is a funny line but but what i was focused on while watching it is not nancy and not phil i'm wondering what's the woman in the french maid outfit thinking this she's on this date that clearly this guy has swept her off her feet because how did we get to the point where she is willing to go out on a date with this person that she's never met while dressed as a sexy French maid and he's mm-hmm. dressed as um, as Clint Eastwood in the spaghetti Western and they're going to see 
the movie Heidi too. Like clearly there's a story that went on to get her to this point in her life. And I yeah. want to know that story, but I mean, I don't, I don't need anybody to make a film of this. It's just I, like, I, like I can just think in my head is racing through, you know, what did he say? When do you, do you just walk up to this woman and say a bookstore and you're like, hi, you look lovely. Would you, would you like to go out with me tonight? And by the way, can you wear this naughty outfit? <laughs> like, well, like how did, she says, how did get there? She says, she says, you told me it was a costume party. Yeah. Yeah, so, I know. I know. But she, and he lied. He clearly lied to her. But like where, but like, okay. So I have gone to costume parties like on Halloween or, or other days. I've gone to costume parties with people that I was dating at that time, but I have never convinced someone whom I met to do it on a first date to go to a costume party for a first date and to wear their sexy costume you know like that (laughs) that's the kind that's the costume I think you wear if uh you're more comfortable with the person well and also (laughs) also like we see her standing outside in what is notably a cold setting (laughs) right right it's snowy They're, they're 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 trapped there because there's a blizzard coming on and she's in a mini skirt and you know with you know a ploofed up mini skirt with like you know high heels on and she's wearing fishnets like she's this took some doing, so I want to know what this woman's life is that she was willing to do this. <laughs> like, I'm, and I, and I was very invested in it this morning uh, or this afternoon when I was watching it, and I'm like, how you know, how did this happen? <laughs> and and then there's a, the weird moment where he's buying the tickets. Mm-hmm. Okay, this I was gonna say if the, I was gonna ask, is there anything you would change in the film? This one gag just to me feels outside of the rest of the comedy and yes. everything in the yeah. show where. He makes the one aside of w- one they, adult, and I guess it's two adults. Yes, <laughs> and he looks Which at her like, "Am I dating an underage girl?" Basically, and she's—I mean, she's clearly—it's not like she even looks. Um, I, I looked up the actress. She would have been roughly like I—I I, I just I—I I looked her up on IMDb, and she would have been thirty something, the same as Annie McDowell. Like she doesn't—it's not like she looks like she's seventeen or anything like that. She's, no. She's clearly an adult woman, <laughs> you know. I don't like, like, yeah. like. Why would you think that? It, it is a, it is a weird, a weird joke to make, and I, which makes to me, it screams Bill Murray ad libbed this, and it just made the final mm-hmm. cut somehow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, to and me, I don't to know me why. <laughs> well, lots of things that I think he ad libbed wind up wound up making the uh, final cut, and plenty of them are brilliant. Like, mm-hmm. like, uh, he is um, a real life puck type character <laughs> referencing mm-hmm. the earlier trickster where he can be immensely difficult to work with, uh, but also bring great joy to people at the same time. It seems mm-hmm. from all the stories that I, that I read about him and including during the making of this film, he was at times problematic mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and difficult. Uh, and, and like the whole filming process for this just sounds like it was so difficult because well, like reportedly they didn't know, what kind of weather they would get. So any day where it was like the same weather as the previous day, they went and grabbed as many scenes as they could. Where it's like, okay, it's overcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everyone go outside and do, do the overcast shooting and the next mm-hmm. day it's, it's, it's clear sky. Okay, everyone go out and do, do these scenes with a the, the clear sky. So they were repeating mm-hmm. not just the time loop stuff, but repeating, you know, the same scenes for the time loop stuff, depending on what weather was out there. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he, he may have been a, a bit difficult. Uh, <laughs> and yet he's also giving... What I know at one point, Harold Ramis called this like easily his greatest performance. It'll never top it. And Bill Murray's like, thanks, Harold. Yeah. 
for for putting the the end on my career right there. <laughs> but I agree that this is his best performance. Um, I don't know that I, I don't know that I think it's his best, but I, I it's up there. I mean, I, yeah, Bill Murray is a very problematic individual who is a really really good actor. Uh, he 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 is an excellent actor. And I I enjoy the character in this. Probably as as far as the acting goes, as far as and his comedic performances, this might be his finest comedic performance. It's a lot more than like Ghostbusters. He's just doing. Here's another yeah. joke. Here's another he's joke. being Bill Murray. He's, he's being Bill Murray, and it's just slapstick. But like, I, I mean, like he's My- <laughs> he's very good in Lost in Translation. Um. It's I don't know my favorite weird bit in film, this one. but he's yeah, but he's good. This one was when when he's trying to talk to her about you know, well, it's a million miles from where from where I was in college, and you know, I studied nineteenth century French poetry, and he just starts laughing. What a waste of time! And then realizes, <laughs> oh shit! And then I- it immediately cuts to the second, the next one, and he's reciting a poem in French. And I'm thinking, oh my god, he had to spend so much time in between learning French in order to get yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's not the next day. That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of library time. Yes, but I just talking. I about just his love performance. the way he's. It's yeah. it's a very natural reaction laugh that he immediately tries to smother and cover, and it just that that bit always just cracks me up. I was going to say, when, when talking about like what is like showing that he's a good actor, that was mm-hmm. immediately combined. Both the laugh and then the next one where he gives the pause and like looks up and, and closes his eyes and starts reciting the uh, French. Je m'a fait. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I took French for a whole semester just for just to get like the language requirement out, out, out of the way for my degree. And I, I can't do that. So, so he definitely, so he definitely spent like, you know, a while. Cause it's not even just French. It's French poetry. That's difficult. Yeah. That's not a, the, like to actually get it and to get it well enough to impress someone who, who studied, who, who studied it. has studied yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's a, that is a lot of work. Yes. And I, you know, Nicole, did we get something that you look forward to when you're rewatching Groundhog Day? Well, I I I admit I I <laughs> I love that part, but the other scene I I there's always like these little things that are kind of my favorite, like when he's trying to, you know, uh, buy her the drink, and you know, she, she orders hers, and so the next time he orders that, you know, mm-hmm. sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist. Oh, that's my favorite drink. That's and then he takes it. When he drinks it. Yes. And he, and again, he's like, oh, you can just see him want to go. But he immediately, you know, tries to smile. That and Chokes my favorite when he, when he catches the kid is falling out of the tree. What do you say? What do you say? You have not thanked me once. I'll see you tomorrow. Maybe. Maybe. I love that moment because. This is this is that's late in the movie. This is the Bill Murray. I mean, this is the Phil rather. I am the Bill Murray. Um, this is the Phil Connors who actually cares about who's people. a good guy. Who's, right. He's a good guy now. He, he and he's, he's still he's doing not, that. Right. He's not trying to get he's not trying to get um, Rita into bed anymore. He's not trying to be like, rich. It's, mm-hmm. This is post the old man dying. This is the this is just the Phil Connors who just goes, you know, on, on my day, nobody dies on my day. Everybody, you know, uh, just if, I, if mm-hmm. I'm stuck in this day, I'm going to be the superhero of this day. So he is 
unabashedly good and not, you know, like like he's like he doesn't have to run to catch the kid. If he misses the kid, for all he knows, he'll be able to catch him tomorrow. But he's running to catch the kid because because mm-hmm. it's just his job. So he is very into mm-hmm. being the good guy here and yet not being thanked. <laughs> Still there's <laughs> just like there's, that moment. Like, well, I, that that moment now that you're talking about it is like, OK, that is an interesting like microcosm because it's not like he's trying to save the kid because it's like, well, if I do enough good things, I'll get out of this. He has no concept of getting out of this. Mm-hmm. It's right. That kid will be worse off for the rest of today if I don't do this. And I'm the person who can do this. And it'll it'll make things better for this kid for the rest of the day, because he, I think because it because it's after the old man dying so much, he's like, okay, I've got this day like Mm -hmm. I can help some people have a better day today. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) that's it. It's it's like like you said, he doesn't know that he's going to not have to catch the kid again. He doesn't know that that it's like, oh, no, this means that the kid doesn't have a broken leg tomorrow it's it's really just for one day right as far as he knows it's going to reset it's going to reset tonight so he it doesn't actually matter but it does which i think is what's supposed to make him the good person right like Mm -hmm. he assuming it's being good that trap that breaks him out of the loop because i don't know that it is maybe it's um maybe it's that he fell in love maybe it's that he's good i don't know why he breaks out of the loop but he doesn't it, it really is about just being you know, he has Selfless. a whole conversation about am I am I God? Well, he's God of today. He's God of Groundhog Day, nineteen ninety three. Yeah, guess. and and if you have that, what good can you do? Even if it is just for today, right? I, so so I think one of the things is is that he took that perspective and was like, I'm gonna, I can do as as much good for as many people, and it'll make their days better, even mm-hmm. if it doesn't make their lives better. It it really is just today these people are not going to have to deal with the flat tire today. He's not going to choke on the steak. And I don't right. think he's necessarily even trying. like, I'm going to do as much good as I can today just to see what it is. It, it really is like, even if it is only for today, mm-hmm. it's selfless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's showing he has become selfless. Like he literally has changed who he is by being stuck there for thousands of years. Uh, you know, I think on the conservative estimates of how much time <laughs> it would take for him to do everything that he does. Mm-hmm. I think I think Ramus once said that it that he imagined it was about like forty or fifty years. Uh-huh. Um, he, Although he other people have things. other people have mm-hmm. suggested, like you said, that it was like ten thousand years. Yeah, yeah. Ramus Ramus made a comment. So Ramus made a comment. I think pretty early on that it was like forty or fifty years, and then much later revised it when he was when he was like when you think about it and he like referred to papers that had been written and people had yeah people have like have have been trying to figure this out and mm-hmm. he's like uh conservative estimate is probably several thousand years <laughs> you know oh, but, okay. but he was like yeah yeah it's like he 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 knew but he knew that people had been trying to figure it out on the internet and i don't think like i don't think he cared like that much other than mm-hmm. like well, you know, if somebody's going to interview me, I don't want to ruin their fun. I think that's probably where yeah. he was. <laughs> earlier, I, earlier, we referred to it as as like a ground day, Groundhog Day story. Is mm-hmm. there anything that predates Groundhog Day with this? Yes, the time loop. Yes, yeah. There's tons of them. Um, I think that's probably the most famous. So, if you, and, you know, perhaps we should link in the show notes. Um, there's a TV trope um, page that refers to 
other versions of this on in film, on TV, and books. But you know, there's like uh, there's the 1973 short story 1201 that has been adapted into a film. Um, mm-hmm. There's um, there's um, several movies that do it and um, and TV shows. But also, there's just you know, there's just lots of there's lots of books that do this. I think um, I think uh, one that I've seen referenced several times as like maybe the first is a Russian novel called Strange Life of Ivan Osokin, where Mm -hmm. the main character relives. But he's relives his entire life uh, in the novel Mm -hmm. uh, and is trying to, like, redirect things from Mm -hmm. after his first. first But but somehow Groundhog Day becomes like retroactively. It's like, well, we're going to refer to it as Groundhog Day. Right. Because it is like I think other stuff like so. Currently, and that, that Russian in, novel is in, 1915. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. And I was gonna say, and there are currently like in in X-Men comics right now, that's the story of Moira McTaggart is she is she is reliving her life over and over again, but she gets her entire life. And then there's there's there's, I think there was there's a time loop. Next Generation episode. That's a time loop episode. That's before Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. And there's time travel and there's time loops that exist in the novel, the time machine. But like, I think what makes Groundhog Day special is it's the first one. It's the first film that's notable where this is the entire concept. It's this is not like, hey, Doctor Who is trapped in a time loop for this episode or anything like that. This is no time. The time loop is the story. This is just the story of a guy in a time loop. So and it's uh, it's interesting because it is about someone bringing out the time loop, but it's also not about the time loop. It's, it does not care about the mechanics of right. why he is stuck right. in the time loop. And I think it is a much better choice to not mm-hmm. worry about that it, for this story. There's plenty of those mm-hmm. that we've mentioned that are good, that deal with like, how, how do we break out of it? And, uh, but I, I love for this story. It's just, he ended up living a selfless day and that's how he gets out. As far as we can tell, <laughs> I mean, the, the, when he lives the selfless day, that's when he gets out. Uh, but it's all hand wavy as far as like the magical realism of, what got him there and what goes away. I know Harold Ramis said, um, and I've also heard Stephen Tobolowsky talk about this, that basically like every religion on earth has told them, you must believe <laughs> in, yeah. in our faith. Cause we, cause we can use this story so well to teach some of the morals and principles of our faith. <laughs> so you must be influenced by our philosophy. And they're like that. I love that. They, they all say like, I love that this has such a wide breadth of issue, mm-hmm. but we were not leaning into any, particular theology uh, or moral philosophy <laughs> when we, we were making this yeah i mean um so uh i believe i think it was ramus because um, ramus wrote it as well as directed it right mm-hmm. he did yeah. he did he, well, he co- some co-wrote. writing on it yeah yeah okay there was so, an initial script that was getting much more into the mechanics of how and why someone was well, stuck in a time loop and, it, and when ramus right. took over my understanding is he took all that out Mm-hmm. I I remember there a, a vague story about like it came about when just someone thinking about the idea of immortality based on like vampireless stat, not right, which right. is not a time yes. travel movie at all, but just a but just a the idea in Anne Rice's in Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicle series, a lot of what happens with Lestat is just he's not really a bad guy, he's just bored because it's been hundreds of years and like how just like life has no meaning when you can't die. So that's where, that's where um, that idea apparently was the seed of, well, maybe mm-hmm. it's not your, maybe you're not immortal. Maybe you just keep repeating the same day. So he's effectively immortal, but like that, that was, that's my Dude, read a book. Yeah. Well, he does read books. You see, him no, I mean, that. Lestat. You know, 
Oh yeah. Oh, that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I do not have enough time myself. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm only ever going to be able to read everything I want to read if they, you know, I can eventually download my brain into a cyborg body. But. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I do want to. It, it feels weird. I, I guess I did get a reference in, but it feels weird to not mention Ned Ryerson in a Groundhog Day discussion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Stephen Tobolowsky performance is something to behold. Bing, <laughs> bing, yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know, if if you want, we can do this again next year. But does anyone have any final I don't think thoughts? We need, I don't think we need to do final thoughts. I think if we have final thoughts, we bring them back in the future. Right? <laughs> we're going to be back doing this again. As we did these last wouldn't year. these wouldn't be the final thoughts anyway. We're right. going to think about it again. Any yeah. 2023 thoughts that anyone wants to get in? <laughs> no, fun. I'm, I, I'm glad we do this every year because this is fun. So like, <laughs> you know, for the listeners, if this is your first mm-hmm. time listening to, uh, to ground pot, to ground pod day, that's what our show's called, right? Yeah. Ground pod day. That's what yeah. we've always called mm-hmm. it. Um, then please come back next year and, and, and listen to us again. And, I mean, I guess if you can't wait, you can listen to our other shows. We we, we do do other <laughs> well, podcasts. <laughs> or you just do a ground you 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 do it like Groundhog Day, and you just listen to this one on repeat. Yes, mm-hmm. oh, until next year. Let us know in the comments if you're listening to this show more more than once. <laughs> uh, Mav, what other what other podcasts would you recommend? Would I recommend or that I'm on? <laughs> I, I know you're going to recommend the ones right? right? That's the, the implication. I, I assumed that was a Venn diagram of a circle I, I, right there. No, 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 no. I, re- I recommend many, many podcasts. I'm it's, I'm not actually, despite my It's more like a target. Of, yeah, yeah. There are, in a perfect world, I'm on every podcast every week. But besides this one, um, I am also regularly on both the Vox Popcast, which is V-O-X-P-O-P-C-A-S-T um, dot com. So the Vox Popcast, where we where we do a weekly pseudo academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. Um, everyone on this show has been a guest on that. And I am a uh, co-host also on Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow, which is a, a weekly analysis of the you know talking about movie being out of time the um the 1990s comic book series excalibur which is a british spinoff of the x-men that ran for a decade that we every week we um focus on another new issue or not new issue 10 year old I mean, 20 oh, wow wow i just realized what year it was uh 20 time. to 30 year old episode of <laughs> of that comic and we do a deep dive analysis of that and then sometimes i'm on other shows <laughs> Uh, Andrew, any any podcasts you want to plug? Uh, uh, Disney Animation Minute Essentials, which is which is one of mine, and then I'll let you handle the other one. All right, the protagonist podcast is where each week we talk about a great character in a great story, and uh, we rotate through talking about films, TV shows, uh, novels, and comic books every month. Uh, Nicole, anything you want to plug while you're here? Uh, not at the moment. Uh, Mav's going to give me some tips. I will. Uh... I will be starting a podcast later this year. So uh, then, uh, then I will, of course, you will be cordially invited uh, to come (laughs) on uh, if there is a topic which interests you. So 
All right. And we'll talk about your show next year on this yes, show that we absolutely crowd yeah, pod day. <laughs> yes. Nicole's also frequently on Fox Podcast. Uh, she was on yes. um, last week, definitely me, and I believe next week. Podcast time travel is weird, even though <laughs> even though we've been talking and, about time and before travel. the next episode of Ground Pod Day, she will be on the protagonist podcast. That's right, <laughs> cool. All right. Well, until next year, so long. Happy Ground Pod Day. <laughs>